Good morning, I'm Pastor Dan from Life Church. Today we're continuing our series, Jesus the Messiah. In this new year of 2021, I believe that it is important that we focus our lives and our thoughts on Jesus as never before. Today's message is entitled, Dying Savior. And in this message, we're going to look at the prophetic psalm, Psalm 22, which, which prophesies about the death of the Messiah in remarkable detail. Jesus' crucifixion was undoubtedly the, the greatest trial that any human being had ever faced. Many men had been crucified before Jesus and, and many men after, but none of these men had carried the weight of the sin of the entire world. The sin from Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden into the future when Jesus returns. And yet Jesus faced his death with a resolve and a hope in God to see him through. Today we're going to learn from Jesus how we can face trials in our own lives. And we're going to learn how we can gain the victory as Jesus did. So let's take some time to look at what the Bible has to say about trials before we look at Jesus in depth. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. But God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Now in another translation, the Greek word for temptation is translated as trial or test. Now a temptation is a trial and implicit in every trial is a temptation. And so this verse tells us that whenever you face a trial or temptation, it will not be beyond your ability to endure or to escape. Now, why can God make that promise? Because you're never going to face a trial or a temptation in your life that God has not allowed to happen. God, as it were, screens your temptations and trials so that they are not too difficult or powerful for you to face. So whatever trial or temptation that you face in life, you can have the victory over it through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so that promise can give us hope no matter what difficulty we're facing in life. James 1, 2, and 3 puts it this way. It says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. The word translated trials here is the same Greek word that was translated temptation in the previous verse we just looked at. And so God's word now tells us what our response should be when we meet trials. Our natural response is to complain, to worry, or get depressed, or some other negative reaction. But God's word does not just suggest how we are to respond. It commands us to count every trial as all joy. So how can we rejoice in the midst of a trial? We can rejoice because we know that God has permitted that trial to come into our lives for a reason. And the reason is so that our faith in God may grow and become stronger. Now let's think about one particular kind of trial that I believe is probably going to become much more common in the near future in America. And that kind of trial is persecution. Persecution is when you suffer some type of abuse or injustice due simply to being a believer. Jesus taught us in Matthew 5, verse 11, he said, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, 
For your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And so when we are insulted, when we're persecuted or lied about, Jesus said that we are blessed. We are blessed when we suffer on account of our faith in Jesus. And if we are blessed, then we should rejoice and be glad. Why? Because we have a great reward in heaven for following Jesus and remaining true to him. Now with that background about facing trials, today we're going to learn how Jesus responded to the greatest trial in human history. And I believe as we meditate on Jesus' trial, it will help our love and commitment to him to grow. And it will prepare us for the trials that we're going to face in 2021. Remember, God allows trials in our lives not to hurt us, but to strengthen us. Now, the first principle we want to learn is, is to trust God always. Psalm 22 verse 1 begins and says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? And so this psalm was written by David under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. David's words are prophetically the words of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And so in the opening verse, he calls out to God, questioning why he has been forsaken. Well, let's see what happened in Mark chapter 15, 34. And at the ninth hour, Jesus was on the cross. He cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So Jesus used the exact language of Psalm 22 as he hung dying on the cross. The weight of the sin of the entire world was upon Jesus. God the Father could no longer look upon him and he turned his face from him. The relationship that the two of them had had since eternity was broken. Broken because of the sin on Jesus. Not his own sin, but the sin of the world, the sin of you, the sin of me. And one can sense the agony and the cry of Jesus, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Agony not over the physical pain of crucifixion, but agony over the separation of Jesus from his father. Jesus knew that this separation would be the biggest trial of his death, but he willingly chose to trust God, even in this darkest hour. Psalm 22, verse 7 says, All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. And so the psalm goes on to speak of those who mocked the Messiah on the cross. They shook their heads at him. They insulted him concerning his relationship with his father, who was not coming to deliver him. And we see that happening in Matthew 27, verse 41. So also the chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him. That's Jesus saying, he saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross and we will believe in him. So we see in the New Testament record the fulfillment of this prophecy by the leaders of Israel. They mocked Jesus for his seeming weakness in not preventing his crucifixion. They demanded a sign from him to prove that he was God, or they would not believe. But Jesus 
continued to trust God. Luke 23, 46 says, Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now death by crucifixion normally took days, but Jesus died after only six hours. Even though the sin of the world had separated him from his father, he committed his spirit back into the Father's hands. In other words, Jesus chose the moment he was to die and then he breathed his last. He trusted God always. So as we contemplate what Jesus went through for us, we should offer back to him all that we have and all that we are. He gave up everything for us, so we'd also ought to give him everything. Now let's think about how Jesus faced his greatest trial, and trusted God always. There will be times in our lives when our sin may separate us from God. How can we trust God in those times? Well, we must trust him to forgive our sins as we repent and turn back to him. At other times, God may allow difficult trials into our lives, and these trials may take many forms. Trials may be to our health, our relationships, or our finances. Trials may come in the form of persecution for our faith. And what are we to do? Trust God always. Six years ago, my father passed away. And I remember the last words he spoke in ICU. They were, I trust the Lord. I trust the Lord. And one day we're all going to face this final trial of death unless Jesus returns. And my prayer is that we would have the same unshakable faith to trust the Lord always in this life. And as we do, we'll ultimately see our Savior in heaven. Not only must we trust God always, we must believe in God's plan. Verse 14 of Psalm 22 says, I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. And these prophetic words of the psalmist speak of the physical agonies of the crucifixion. Having your arms stretched out and nailed to the cross and hanging there puts your bones out of joint. It becomes more and more difficult to breathe and increasingly painful. Jesus went through excruciating physical pain for you and for me. Psalm 22 verse 16 gives more details. It says, For, for dogs encompass me, a, a company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Incredible details of the crucifixion are, are given in these verses. Jesus was surrounded by the unbelieving leaders of the Jews and the Roman soldiers, a company of evildoers. His hands and his feet were pierced by the nails as he was nailed to the cross. At the time of the writing of the psalm, hundreds of years before Jesus' time, Roman crucifixion was unknown. Normally the Roman soldiers would break the leg bones of the victim to hasten death, but in the case of Jesus he died within six hours and so no bones were broken, just as the psalm indicated. And what is this casting of lots for his clothing all about? Well, we read about it in John 19, verse 23. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments, divided them into four parts, 
And they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it will be. And so we see that the Roman soldiers divided some of Jesus' clothes up, and the rest they cast lots to see who got that piece of clothing. Verse 15 of Psalm 22 speaks of the great thirst of the dying Messiah. John 19, 28, After this, Jesus, knowing all that, that all was now finished, he said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. And so what do all these detailed prophecies of the crucifixion tell us about the Messiah? And I'd encourage you to read all of Psalm 22. We're just looking at some of the high points. But they tell us, these detailed prophecies tell us that God had a plan for the dying Savior, a plan the Bible shows was from the creation of the world. And many of the details of the plan are included in, in Psalm 21, as well as other prophetic scriptures in the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit, knowing God's plan, inspired the writing of these prophecies hundreds or thousands of years before Jesus came. And Jesus perfectly followed God's plan for his life and mission. He believed in God's plan. He carefully listened to his father each step of the way. And even though Satan and evil men were involved in persecuting and killing Jesus, they were simply instruments in carrying out God's plan. And so we also must believe in God's plan. Now, just as God had a detailed plan for Jesus' life, so he has a detailed plan for your life. Now, unlike Jesus, we do not always perfectly follow God's plan. But as long as we're alive, there's always the next step in God's plan for us. We just have to get back on track with God and, and seek him for that next step. God is committed to helping you fulfill his plan for your life. So how can you learn what God's plan for your life is? Well, the first step is to daily read and study God's word. The Bible will give you the general outlines of God's plan for your life. The next step is to pray about God's plan for your life on a daily basis. God has a plan for every day of your life. The Holy Spirit can speak to you directly and show you things from God's word. The Holy Spirit can also speak into your life through other people. God may give you a prophetic word through someone else, or you may receive godly counsel from another believer or leader. And finally, God can show you his plan through circumstances. Sometimes God will close doors to direct you, and at other times he will open doors of opportunity. But never doubt that God has a plan for you. There'll be times in trials when things may seem hopeless. That comes from the lies of the enemy. Don't believe the lies of Satan. No situation is hopeless as long as you continue to believe that God has a plan and he's going to show it to you. Believe in God's plan and you will always have hope. Next, pray for deliverance. Psalm 22, verse 19. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. And so in this verse, we see the psalmist prophetically praying as the Messiah for God's help for deliverance. And as we talked about in the previous point, we need prayer to discern God's plan. And we need prayer for God's help to carry out that plan. We can't do it in our own strength. In Jesus' case, his cries for help did not rescue him from the cross, for that was part of God's plan. What they did was bring him through death 
into resurrection, which we're going to talk about more next Sunday. Psalm 22 continues in verse 22 and says, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. And so when God answers prayer and his plan is fulfilled, what should be our response? We are to praise God for it. It will cause us to stand in awe of God. Now let's turn to the book of Hebrews chapter 2 to see what it tells us about the death of Jesus on the cross and the plan of God. Hebrews 2 verse 10 says, For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation, that is Jesus, perfect through suffering. And so the suffering and death that Jesus went through was for the purpose of making him the perfect Savior. Jesus, being both human and divine, suffered as a human the agony of death so that he might deliver us from sin. Verse 14 says, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself, that's Jesus, likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil. And so the plan of God for Jesus was that as a man of flesh and blood, he might destroy the devil who had the power of death. The devil's plan was to destroy Jesus, but God's plan was to destroy the devil, and God's plan won in the end when Jesus rose from the dead. Now the devil is still around, but he has no power over the believer, and his eternal fate has now been sealed. Since Jesus went through all the same things in life as we, he knows what you're going through. Verse 18 says, For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. So here again, we see the dual meaning of the word tempted, which could also be translated tried. Jesus went through both temptations and trials for us. And he's able to help you when you're going through a difficult time. He's able and willing to help you to resist temptation and carry out God's plan. You see, every temptation is sent from Satan to get you off track from God's plan. Jesus was tempted to avoid the cross, but he resisted that temptation and embraced God's plan. Now, how did Jesus stay on track with God's plan, even though it was painful? Remember, he prayed for deliverance in the Garden of Gethsemane. He prayed that the cup might pass from him. But God gave him the strength to continue on the course of his plan as he submitted his will to the Father's will. And we also must learn to pray for deliverance from trials and temptations. Now, some people think that God's plan for their lives must, must be the easiest plan. But Jesus taught us, both through his life and his teaching, that God's plan is not the easiest road, it's the more difficult road. Jesus taught that the road away from God was wide and easy. But the road of following Jesus was difficult and narrow. So how can we follow this difficult and narrow path of God's plan? Only by learning to continually pray for deliverance. What do we need deliverance from? We need deliverance from the attacks of Satan. Whether they come through circumstances, other people, 
or our own thoughts. Never think that Jesus doesn't know what you're going through. Sometimes we say, nobody knows what I'm going through, but that is a lie from the enemy. Jesus knows exactly what you're going through because he went through the same things. And Jesus knows exactly what you need to keep on track with God's plan. Whatever you're going through today, and we're all going through some difficulty, pray and ask God for the wisdom and the strength to keep on following him. And when you pray that prayer in faith, God will answer your prayer. And so today we've looked at the amazing prophecies about the Messiah in Psalm 22, and we've seen how they were fulfilled in the life of Jesus. We've been reminded again of the suffering that Jesus went through in, in dying for us. And as Jesus took up his cross for us, so we must take up our cross and follow him. He gave up everything for us, and we must give him all of us in return. The path of following Jesus is, is never easy, but we must trust God always. We can have hope as we believe in God's plan for our lives. He always has a next step for us. And we mustn't forget that we can't follow God's plan in our own strength. We must pray for deliverance. We must pray for help, believing that he will answer. And as we follow in our Savior's footsteps, we will stay close to him in this life. And we'll one day see him in heaven, where he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Now that is something worth living and dying for. Now this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to repent and become a follower of this, this wonderful Jesus. If you've never committed your life to him, I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray with me and to begin a new life. To do that, we need to do three things. First of all, admit that you've sinned. Turn away from that sin. Repent of it. Secondly, believe that Jesus died on the cross to forgive you. He rose from the dead. And finally, commit your life to following him as your Lord. So I encourage you to bow your head with me and pray along with me. If you'd like to commit your life to Jesus for the first time, or perhaps recommit your life to him, if you feel like you've drifted away. Pray a prayer, something like this in your own heart. Say, Father, today, I admit that I've done wrong things. I haven't been following Jesus in my life. I haven't been following your plan for my life. I repent. I turn away from my sin of doing my own thing. And I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe he died that I might be forgiven. Please forgive me. I believe he rose from the dead. He's alive today. And I commit myself to following him as my Lord and Savior. And let's also pray. Father, today we thank you for this reminder of what Jesus accomplished by his death on the cross for us. We thank you for showing us all the details of that crucifixion and death were prophesied hundreds or thousands of years before Jesus came through the power of your Holy Spirit. We thank you that Jesus trusted his Father at all times through his life and through his death. Help us to trust you in every situation in life. God, we thank you that you had a plan for Jesus, 
for Jesus' life, and he followed that plan exactly. We thank you that you have a plan for our lives, and we believe in that plan. We believe you're going to reveal that plan to us, and we believe that you're going to give us the strength to follow that plan. Thank you for the plan that you have. Thank you for the next step that you have for every person listening to this prayer. We pray that you'd give them hope about the next step in your plan for their lives. God, we pray for your help and your strength in carrying out the next step in your plan for our lives. We pray for those who need deliverance or help in the trial or temptation that they're going through. We thank you, God, that you're with us. We pray as we begin this new year of 2021 that we would begin it in prayer. We pray for our nation, the nation of America, that's going through difficult times, God. We pray for peace. Uh, we pray, God, that, that you would overshadow our nation and bring peace. We pray that the freedoms that our nation was built with would continue our freedom of speech, our freedom of religion. We pray, God, that, that your gospel would go forth and change people's lives across this entire nation. We pray for our leaders, God. We pray that you would guide them. We pray that you give them wisdom. We pray that they would turn to you for your direction as they lead our country. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Now, if you made a commitment to Jesus Christ or would like more information, I'd like to encourage you to connect with us. Uh, there's a link below this video. We'll pray for you, offer you some helpful materials. You can find out more information on our website, lifechurchstlouis.org. We have Sunday morning services at 10 a.m. at 15036 Clayton Road in Chesterfield. You're entitled to attend, invited to attend if you live in the St. Louis area. Online donations to help us reach more people for Jesus are available at give.lcstl.org. Next Sunday, we're going to conclude our message series, Jesus the Messiah with the message, Resurrected Lord. I invite you to join us then. God bless. Have a great week and a great new year.